welcome to the only podcast on the planet produced exclusively for wholesalers and their leaders. This is Wholesaler Masterminds Radio. Now, here's your host, Rob Shore. Wholesalers, welcome to another episode of Wholesaler Masterminds Radio. Wholesalers, we seem to be on a trend here in 2015, bringing you return guests. And it's, it's because they continue to do extraordinary things and create amazing content. And today's guest is no different. I'm going to roll you all the way back, all the way back to the beginning of this gentleman's bio. Actually, a movie star, Wholesalers. He was in Warner Herzog's Strozik, which uh, the esteemed and uh, missed Film critic Roger Ebert, named as one of the 50 great movies in the history of cinema. Uh, he's been a uh, news anchor in major market television. He has been quoted relentlessly in New York Times, USA Today, Wall Street Journal. He appears on Fox News, CNN, NBC's Today Show. He's the author of Create Distinction, and we're here to talk about his very most recent book, Seven Tenets of Taxi Terry. And above anything else today, it will be the Battle of the Resonant Voices. Scott McCain, <laughs> welcome to Wholesaler Masterminds Radio. Uh, you know, it's great to be with you, Rob. You're, you're one of the few guys that makes me sound like a tenor. So <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, that's a great line. I appreciate that. Oh, my. So, uh, wholesalers, if you've not been out to YouTube and Google Taxi Terry, uh, it is a wonderful story that Scott has been telling for years. But more important than the story are the lessons. But why don't you tee us up a little bit, Scott? How, where, why Taxi Terry? Where did he come from? And, and how have you uh, been able to expound upon this in such a glorious fashion? Rob, several years ago, I, w I was traveling to give a speech in Jacksonville, Florida, and the flight is late, and I'm tired, and I, I walk out of the airport, and the line is longer than I anticipated, and it's just one of those, you know, I've, I've, I've ridden with, with lots of wholesalers tons of times, and I, I, as you know better than I, but we, we've all had those travel experiences, you know, that are just, oh, God, you know, and you take my place in the back of the line, I work my way up to the front, I just want a cab, I just want to get to the hotel, I just want to, you know, just want this travel night to be over. And the cab driver pulls up, jumps out of his cab, points at me in the front of the line, and shouts, are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? <laughs> and I'm thinking, why did I get the motivational cab driver? Yeah. <laughs> what a lucky night this is for me. And uh, he introduces himself. He said, you know, my name is Taxi Terry. And uh, he said, great to meet you, Mr. McCain. Uh, how, did, how did you know my name? Saw it on your luggage. Figured I might as well use it. <laughs> so he, he had such an incredible uh, way of doing business that in the sea of sameness, I mean, how generic are taxi rides? The, the cars look the same. The drivers are interchangeable. The function that they perform is, is you know, generic at best. And, and here in this, this area that I thought was almost impossible to differentiate himself, Taxi Terry, through the experience that he created for me, absolutely was distinctive in, in, in what he did. And so I started telling that story. And there's a couple kickers that aren't on the YouTube aspect when I went down and rode with them again that I get to reveal in the book. But uh, we got well over 100,000 views, which is nothing if you're Britney, you know, Britney Spears. But for a guy just telling a story about a taxi cab, the publisher, McGraw-Hill, thought that was a lot. And they came to me and said, would you write a book about what you learned on that cab ride? What, you know, how do businesses 
and how do individual professionals stand out and how do you deliver this client experience that, that makes you extraordinary. And so uh, I had the chance to go back to Jacksonville and meet Terry. It, it, it's not a made-up story. It, it, it's a, you know, he's a real person. It's a real experience. And that's where the book comes from is um, The Seven Tenets of Taxi Terry. So wholesalers, you know, we, we talk about PVP, peerless value proposition, and, and uh, Scott and I share that phrase of sea of sameness. Scott, my audience hears me use that constantly. Yeah. And in terms of uh, uh, differentiating yourself wholesalers, you know, we're, we're talking about a taxi cab driver, okay? So just keep that in mind. Next time you're slugging through uh, a Merrill branch, you're trying to make your impression at a Linsco Private Ledger conference, uh, this is a taxi cab driver we're talking about. So let's, let's roll into a couple of the tenants as, as you begin to describe them. Uh, one is setting high expectations and then exceeding them. Uh, we think we know what that means, but I'll bet you there's layers under that. Tell us a little bit more if you would, please, Scott. Yeah, Rob, you know, when he said, are you ready for the best cab ride of your, of your life? Uh, a couple of things, the more I reflected on it, I, I realized. One was, what were the other cab drivers saying to their passengers? How did they initiate the contact with, with their client that evening? They were saying things like, uh, where are you going? How many mm-hmm. in your party? You know, these kinds of things. Maybe you'll get and, a how was your flight. Yeah, right, right. Maybe if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a couple just said, get in. And so it made me think, what are the expectations that we set, not just in the very first impression, but in every impression that we create with with the you know, financial advisors for, for your audience that we – you know that we seek to serve, and and it's just been amazing to me. I've I've had you know not nearly as much as you, but I've I've had some experience in riding with wholesalers and you know walking the floor at Merrill and Morgan Stanley and UBS with them, and and it, it, there are some that are absolutely extraordinary, and then there are others that are like those other cab drivers. You know, mm. hey, how you doing? I was just walking the floor. Hi, just stopping by. Hey, you know, and mm. and and they were interruptions more than exceptions, and. I think that's one of the things that really struck me about Terry was the very first impression he made was that this is going to be extraordinary. It's absolutely going to be amazing. So it set an expectation for me as as the customer. But I, I had to drill a little deeper, and part of what I grew to understand, too, was Terry was also setting an expectation for himself. He was setting the bar for himself, because if if I say, "Are you ready for the best cab ride of your life?" and then all I do is drive you in silence to your destination in an average car that's you know kind of clean, um, you know, with with bad radio on and and the experience that most of us have when we're in cabs, then there's there's a, a an incongruency there that ensures I'm never going to take you again. You've promised me something and you haven't delivered. So it, it both set the expectation for the client. And it it compelled him to raise the bar in his own performance. And and that's kind of the thing that's a little bit below the surface, is that when when you are willing to make that kind of statement, when you're willing to set the bar that high, you, you also compel yourself to raise your own standards and, and raise your ability to deliver for, for your client. There there is so much more meat on that bone than the simple bullet point that I read and, and one that I think about too 
that he delivered on so well. I mean, it's compelled you to, to make so much successful content out of it. Is the whole notion of do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Another mantra of ours, which clearly Taxi Terry did. I mean, he, to your point, that's a bold statement to make. The, tax, <laughs> the ride of your life, the presentation of your life, you know, the, the movie of your life. I mean, that, that's, you can't make a, a much ballsier statement than that. Oh, true. But, you know, I think in the advisors I've talked to, I can ask them, you know, who's your favorite wholesaler? Who's the best wholesaler that's ever called on you? And they can always name someone. I mean, there's somebody that they've picked as the best. And so the question is, how do you become that gal? How do you become that guy? And and that's I, I know that's what you're helping people do, and it's 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 the issue that I you know that I'm fascinated by is what makes you dis- distinctive in your marketplace? What makes you at the point that I mean we we see this in some advisors that these advisors are so distinctive that not only do they retain clients, they attract clients by the very nature of who they are and what they stand for, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of professional I want to be. And if 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 I was a wholesaler, that's the kind of wholesaler that I want to be. Is that not only am I retaining my my book, but also it, it's it's not just pursuing more you know more advisors. It's it's the ability to attract them as well because the referrals that you're getting in the office because of you know because you're so good at what you do and so distinctive at what you do that that you compel more business by the attraction you're creating which is a great segue to the next headline that begs some discussion and that is this whole notion that customers or people personalize the experience we are all subject to so much vanilla sameness in terms of service delivery experience delivery etc what are your recommendations for personalizing the experience? Again, one of those headlines that kind of intuitively we say, oh, yeah, I know what that means. But I suspect as the first bullet point, there's layers of further understanding around that. What, what are you thinking about that? You know, it's, it's a fascinating aspect that you're, you're talking about there, Rob, because Harvard Business Review recently wrote that, that the fundamental change in B2B sales is it's going to become more like B2C. Um, that we tend to think that when we're selling to a team or, you know, that it's all about a business sale, a business transaction. And it's not. It's, it's all personal. I mean, all, all sales end up being at some level uh, a high degree of personal. Um, it, this is not a financial example, but I was speaking a while back for a meeting for Cisco, the, the technology giant. And afterwards, I got a call from a guy. And I was, I was talking about the very aspect that you you brought up and he said you know there was this one account that I had and, and we were doing good business but we weren't doing great business and the potential there was was millions of, of, of dollars in sales and he said I never thought about that personal aspect before I was always trying to you know get his company his institution to spend more money you know they would buy more equipment and he said that that whole personal thing just flipped the switch for me and I went to him, and I, I started talking about his passion, which is sailing. That's his, that was the, the client's individual passion, was sailing. And then we started talking about, well, how could we put equipment on his boat that would help him? And it come to find out, you know, water temperature was critical and speed and, and all that. And he said, then we even sponsored. We bought up an ad on, on the sail, and we did. Well, because of that, he realized that there was not just an organizational commitment, but a personal commitment to him. And when that happened, 
then the company over which you know he was supervising millions of dollars started spending millions of dollars more with with Cisco but it wasn't until they expressed a personal commitment that then the organizational commitment followed and I, I think that's what we have to do in, in wholesaling, in, in any field, is to learn about I, one of the quotes from my book, but it's, it's, it's from a guy that was CEO of a mutual fund company, was the, the person it was about. And I was talking about with a friend of mine how you know this guy's favorite wine is, is Duckhorn Cabernet. And my speaker buddy said, well, I'd know my favorite client's wine too if he spent that much money with me. And I said, no, you got to understand, it's because I knew his favorite wine that he ended up spending that much money with me. In other words, the more we know and the more that we're personal, you know, one of the things I learned one time at a, at a meeting, uh, uh, Accenture Consulting was making this presentation, and they were talking about, they were wondering, why did UBS, this is what they studied, why did UBS have such a dominant market share in Europe of high net worth uh, investors, significantly more than what they have here in the United States? And one of the things they found was, the personalization of the contact of, of, of the high net worth investor. And, and a specific example they mentioned is in the database in Europe, they had how every investor drank their coffee. Hmm. So that when they walked in the UBS office, they would sit down a, a cup of coffee in front of them already with the exact amount of cream and the exact amount of sugar or lack thereof that was especially suited to that specific client's tastes. Now, you know, I, I even heard one advisor say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's millions of dollars decided over a cup of coffee. And, and the point that Accenture was making is, well, if you know how someone drinks their coffee, the subliminal message is, we know you, right? We, we know and understand you. And, and that really struck me in that we can never over – sometimes we can get too intimate, but we can never over-personalize. We can never do enough to show that we know you and we know your challenges and we know, you know, your. For I'll give you a quick example, I'm speaking to the banking industry not long ago, and I read a study that said 70% of millennials, and that's the exact figure, 70% of millennials believe they'll be making payments differently in five years than they are today. They're going to be using their iPhone or their Android. They can't wait until Apple and Google take over those retail financial markets. Well. I mentioned that in the speech to these bank CEOs, and there was just this you could just, you've been on the stage where you just feel this instant connection. Mm -hmm. it, it happened at that moment because all of a sudden they knew I knew their problems. I was more concerned for that program with their problems than with my own and and that's what we have to communicate in what we do that it's so personal that that we show them we care so much about let's keeping them awake at night and what their challenges are, that, that they don't doubt that we have a personal commitment to them, not just an organizational one. And, you know, wholesalers, as Scott talks about this, one of the things that's rattling around my head, I mean, there's so many rabbit holes to jump down in terms of the content that Scott is sharing wholesalers. But one of the things that I think about is, you know, we spend a lot of time talking to you about doing your advisor reconnaissance and making sure that you have tidbits, nuggets to be able to share with advisors that help them understand that you know them just a little bit. And, Scott, what we talk about is this notion that when you provide that kind of information, that you don't have to spend a million dollars to get at it, right? You don't need a UBS European coffee drinker database. You can simply do some little things that help you better understand 
the prospect that you're in front of, the advisor that you're in front of, because what happens is, especially in the prospect conversation, I know you know this, Scott, is that the icicles, the natural ice formations that grow around the prospect salesperson interaction, those icicles start to thaw, and they thaw really quickly. And the better nuggets that we know, the more quickly the temperature in the room rises, metaphorically or literally, in that those icicles thaw. And so it's, it's what you're talking about hits home on so many different levels, but especially for us wholesalers, because, you know, back to what we said earlier about sea of sameness and the commoditization of wholesalers. These are the kinds of things that Scott speaks about that, that will elevate you in terms of your memorability. So, man, you're, you're, you're preaching the choir on these well, things. Thanks. And, and you triggered, I, I hadn't thought of this quote for a long time, but remember the old Yogi Berra quote, you can observe a lot just by watching? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> And what you were saying there triggered I, it's something maybe I hadn't really considered as deeply as I should have before, which is, you know, it wasn't that I gave the client a bottle of wine. It's that I knew the, you know, for example, it, it's not enough just to give a gift. It's it's a gift that shows that you've been observant. You know that you're connected, and uh, I, I think many times we get so busy doing what we do, we don't think enough about what we do, right? I mean. I, you know better than I, but wholesalers spend so much energy and time getting from you know one office to another, and how many offices did I hit today, and how many people did I talk to today, and we're so engaged with what we're doing that there's not enough time for reflection and and, and really thinking about these issues. And I, I think that's one of the great things that, that you're providing them is this chance to reassess and to really drill deeply into the things that, that can make a Big, big difference in their success. Well, I appreciate that so much. Let's let's bite off one more because we're bumping up against our time, and that's think logically, then act creatively and consistently. And I suppose if I was going to parse that one just a little bit because it plays back to the personalization, it plays back to the set high expectations and then exceed them, if we could kind of nibble around this creatively piece because by very nature, we work in a pretty buttoned up industry. And I think that in our industry, people are hesitant. Like I have a client that I'm working with uh, who works for a tier one mutual fund company, very you know world-renowned name. They have a very buttoned up approach. And anytime he and I talk about stepping a little bit out of those boundaries, because that's what's going to get recognized and acknowledged as being different or distinctive in your vernacular, how how do we bring that that creativity out, but still maintain? You know, we're, we're not letting our hair down, smoking doobies on the beach. We're right, we're, right. we're right. How do I make that uh, jump? Yeah, you know, it's funny you bring that up because that was one of the tenets, one of the sentences I had the most trouble with because one of the things that struck me about what Taxi Terry was doing and and what all of us need to do is we've tended to think of creativity as being also chaotic and undisciplined and just, you know, wild. And, in fact, that's never going to work in a highly regulated industry like financial services, for example. So that's why I wanted in that sentence to also have words like logically and consistently um, because it's the consistent application, it's the logical approach, and then creativity in that mix that, that's going to work in a highly regulated industry but also have traction with, with what's happening on, on a daily basis for wholesalers. So a, a, as a quick example, one of the things I learned through the process uh, of this and also in my previous book, Create Distinction, 
is that from the customers, from the client's perspective, if you just alter one thing, you are perceived as being innovative. Uh, the, the example, in a, you know, not in financial services, but on a broad basis, is the rental car business where the Ford I get from Hertz is identical to the Ford I would get from Avis. There's zero product differentiation uh, in, in the rental car industry. So the great success of Enterprise Rental Car, which started in the basement of the St. Louis airport, was simply they were looking for one thing that they could do to differentiate themselves in the market. So what they did was to make a list of every single point of contact that they had with their customers and, and prospects and clients. And, and of all of them, and, and not just from a business standpoint, but also you know, involvement in civic activities and charitable organizations and every single point of contact they had, and they picked one, how does the customer access the product, and flipped it upside down. So at Enterprise, they pick you up. Well, that's, that was revolutionary in that business. The cars are the same. They just said, wait, we'll bring it to you rather than making you come and get it from us. I, I think the same is true with wholesalers. What's just one meaningful thing that you could do to brand yourself, one meaningful thing that you could do that's different than what's happening out there? I, I talk about in our little local grocery store that, that I had growing up in southern Indiana, there was one guy who was the milk wholesaler that came to our store and we had four different brands on the shelf in our in our dairy counter in our dairy case, and this one guy wore a little flower in his lapel every day. Now that seems trite and trivial, but he was always recognizable because there was one thing about him that nobody else did. Now I'm not saying wholesalers go out and you know buy a flower and put it in your jacket, but but I am saying it doesn't take that much. What's one thing that you could do to be unique and different and differentiated in your marketplace? Uh, because when I talk to advisors, part of what they say to me is exactly what you said earlier, Rob, about the sea of sameness. They're, you know, they all talk the same way. They all dive into the briefcase and come out and tell me about the holdings and everything else of their particular fund group or what makes their annuity different and special, which is the same thing another wholesaler just told me about what makes their annuity different and special. Find just one thing that you'd be creative about and you'll be perceived as being innovative. But the other thing is you have to do it logically and you have to do it consistently because, as you mentioned earlier, and I, I want to echo that point and emphasize it, isn't it crazy that just doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it will truly make you stand out in the marketplace? Absolutely true. Wholesalers, if you haven't figured out why we wanted to have Scott back, he's tremendously insightful. He's a wildly successful and deservedly so speaker. He's a great author, and if you couldn't tell, he's also a pretty cool dude. So, Scott, thank you so much for joining us at Wholesaler Masterminds Radio. Rob, it's always a pleasure. You know I'm a fan, and I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you, thank thank you, you so for much. having me on. I appreciate it. Wholesalers, come back again next time for another episode of Wholesaler Masterminds Radio.